From Indianapolis, with an eye on every corner of Indiana, this is IBJ Media's Inside Indiana Business with Gary Dick. Presented by Ice Miller and Indiana University. Brand new 30 million sports and rec park. Bold downtown development plans turning an old windshield wiper factory into a distillery. We find out what's behind the Renaissance in Valparaiso, a place where the king of popcorn, Orville Redenbacher, built his empire. Plus, two big stories in the business of health, a massive step forward in the IU School of Medicine's new Indianapolis campus, and Eli Lilly's new mission to help the millions who suffer from hearing loss, and the big Megillah of Hoosier festivals, the bottom line impact of the Park County Covered Bridge Festival to Western Indiana. Hello and welcome to Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick. We begin this week with more evidence of transformational growth and change in Northwest Indiana, specifically Valparaiso. The county seat of Porter County, Valpo, is a city of about 35,000, situated along US 30, just east of Merrillville and about 20 minutes or so south of the shores of Lake Michigan. It is uh, also about a 30-minute drive or so to the Loop in Chicago. It's perhaps best known for Valparaiso University and its iconic Chapel of the Resurrection. And sports is a big part of the city's image, too. It's to Jenkins, the Drew for the win! Gone! Oh! He did it! Who can forget that unforgettable be uh, buzzer beater? In the first round of the 1998 NCAA tournament, Bryce Drew hitting that game-winning three-pointer to beat Ole Miss. The Drew family coaching tree now a point of pride in Valpo. And from their hardwood to hardwood, Valpo home to Hoosier Bat Company, the third oldest wood bat company in the world, providing lumber to big-name major leaguers, including former Cub slugger Sammy Sosa. Now Valparaiso is making headlines for multiple major projects that stand to transform the city. And joining me now with details is Valparaiso Mayor Matt Murphy. Mayor, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Gary. A lot going on uh, in Valpo. I think more generally in Northwest Indiana, but specifically in your city, a number of big projects. Get to that in a second. But first, to set the stage, this is part of a process that's been going on for some time. And a number of years ago, downtown in that area was, was struggling a bit. Yeah, our downtown was really, uh, had, had a high vacancy rate for, for a long time. And my predecessor, Mayor Costas, came in and you know, said, enough is enough. We need to turn that around. And so uh, in 2003, he began that process. And, and through facade grants and special liquor licenses, we've become sort of a dining destination for Northwest Indiana and seen tremendous vibrancy. But uh, we want, want to keep it going. He, he inherited a downtown that was struggling, and I inherited a strong one. We want to take it to the next level. Let's talk about some of these projects because they are substantial. One is the Journeyman Distillery, $30 million uh, development. A Valpo native, right, is putting that together. Yeah, it's a great story. Bill Welter grew up in Valpo, uh, and he... Uh, uh, built the Journeyman Distillery in Three Oaks, Michigan. Uh, we had a 170,000 square foot behemoth old factory, Anko Wiper Blade factory near our downtown. Didn't know what to do with it. And um, Bill Welter uh, brought to us the idea of, of, of creating another Journeyman Distillery right in the heart of our downtown. What do you think that can mean in terms of, of, of tourism traffic? Yeah, they, they estimate, Gary, that uh, we're going to see 150,000 to 200,000 visitors each year to the oh. Journeyman. And uh, we see tremendous uh, overflowing uh, benefits to that to our downtown as well. 
other projects. The Link is a, uh, a mixed-use development, residential development, again, about a $30 million project right in the heart of downtown, too. Yeah, we're excited. The Link is a 121-unit uh, residential project, Class A apartments. Um, it's going to be three four-story buildings uh, constructed in our downtown by the Hageman Group out of Carmel. We're really excited about that. Um, and um, that'll bring tremendous vibrancy. Um, people living downtown is important. Uh, we want to create a, a downtown with high-density housing to support the retail mm -hmm. scene and keep the businesses and restaurants vibrant. Yeah, you're going to have a major parking garage there as well and a boutique hotel, the Grand Gardner Hotel, which will add uh, uh, a bit of ambiance, if you will, to downtown. Yeah, we have an old school that was built in the 1890s in a Romanesque uh, architecture. Uh, in 1972, the school uh, closed and it was operating uh, Boys and Girls Club until this year. Boys and Girls Club built a new club and Urschel Development acquired it and they have plans to build a 58 to 60 room boutique hotel, just steps from Journeyman. Yeah, and not that there's not enough going on already, but you just announced plans for a $30 million uh, sports and recreation campus, 250 acre park. Yeah, we, right? we acquired about 250 acres uh, last year. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna not use all the property, uh, but we're gonna build seven multi-use fields. And uh, the, the hope is to obviously have a great Valparaiso Parks and Recreation uh, facilities for our, for our kids and our, and our families, but also to host tournaments and events and be a draw to from other communities. What's the impact already that you're feeling? I talk with people in Valpo in Northwest Indiana, talk about people moving from Illinois and saying, hey, we can work in downtown Chicago, come to lower taxes, better quality of life, live in Indiana, live in Valpo, yeah. and have an easy connection to Chicago. Absolutely, we're, we're seeing it uh, already, uh, seeing folks move in, move across the, the state line and enjoy high quality life, safe communities, great public schools. Valpo's got an excellent K through 12 public school system, also great private schools. Um, so we're, we're seeing it. We also have a we have a transit um, department. We've got for right now four buses going in and out of the loop every day. Mm -hmm. We were at six. The pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. That took a took a hit, but uh, we're slowly getting back up uh, to being the only city in Northwest Indiana that's got a transit in Chicago. Yeah, only have about thirty seconds left. But do you sense this as kind of a tipping point for Northwest Indiana with what's going on in Valpo and some other communities? And then on top of that, the South Shore extension and, and all the things, the double tracking going on. Yeah, the double tracking is going to have a tremendous impact on, on the entire region. And, uh, you know, uh, we see we've got, we've got a bright future in Northwest Indiana. I think we're the, the, in terms of economics, uh, the second uh, biggest economic uh, output in the state of Indiana with all the steel mills and all the mm -hmm. manufacturing. So there's a lot of good stuff going on. Mayor Matt Murphy uh, from the city of Valparaiso. Uh, Mayor, thanks for joining us. I know we'll be doing more in the future. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. All right. Well, as we mentioned earlier, the king of popcorn has also helped put Valpo on the map. Brazil, Indiana native and Purdue grad Orville Redenbacher built his popcorn empire just south of Valpo in Boone Grove. Redenbacher leaned on a Chicago ad agency to help him market what became a global brand. So I talked for about three hours, went back a week later, and they said we come up with the name of Orville Rennenbacher, which is the same identical name my mother thought of 84 years ago. <laughs> Valpo still celebrates Redenbacher. Its annual popcorn festival marked 43 years last month. Coming up next, an update on the IU School of Medicine's massive new state-of-the-art home sprouting up in downtown Indianapolis. Plus, Eli Lilly and Company now on a mission to help people who have trouble hearing. More on Lilly's big move to develop gene therapies for hearing loss. And Joe Donnelly moving from politics to a new job in Rome, working closely with Pope Francis.
he's got an amazing sense of humor, which you wouldn't imagine, you know? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so the last thing we actually talked about at the end of our talk, you know, we talked about very serious stuff. And then uh, we talked about soccer. I, oh. I wanted more to talk about baseball and football, but he's more <laughs> of a soccer guy. Uh, some great stories with Joe Donnelly on his new role as U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See. In this week's Business and Beyond podcast beginning Monday at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. Well, Eli Lilly Company is now on a mission to help people who have trouble hearing. Kylie Valletta here now with more in the business of health. Kylie. Thank you, Gary. Lilly has agreed to a $487 million deal to buy Boston-based Akuos to develop gene therapies for hearing loss. The deal could increase to $610 million if the company hits certain benchmarks during various testing phases. The companies say the proposed acquisition will accelerate gene therapies that aim to restore, improve, and preserve hearing for an estimated 40 million people in the U.S. who are living with disabling hearing loss. The largest construction project in the history of the Indiana University School of Medicine is now underway. This week, IU leaders broke ground on a $230 million medical education and research building. The 11-story building will total more than 325,000 square feet in downtown Indianapolis. This building will be a place where generations of future healers will begin their journey in medicine. And it's going to be a place where researchers are going to make innovations that are going to prevent disease, alleviate suffering, and save lives, not just here in Indiana, but across the nation and around the world. The building will be the first new classroom space in Indy since the 1950s. The project will be co-located with the $2.7 billion Indianapolis Academic Health Center development planned by IU Health, which includes an expanded medical campus with a new hospital building. Some 200 Hoosiers with Alzheimer's disease or dementia are be befriending virtual pets on tablets as part of an IU School of Medicine study. The animated cats and dogs work on tablets and are designed to help the person with Alzheimer's accomplish daily tasks. Have an important reminder. Have you had a glass of water within the past few hours? Yes. Have you taken your afternoon medications today? A San Francisco company called CareCoach created the technology. Hoosiers are testing the pets to see if by reducing the symptoms of Alzheimer's, caregivers have less stress, helping the person with Alzheimer's remain at home instead of moving to an institution. IU professor of aging research, Dr. Malaz Bustani, says the pets have surprised even him. I was very skeptic that this animated care coach developed by some person in California, you know, uh, will will really do anything uh, for my my um, uh, patients. Some of my patients early on, they come over and they'll tell me about, so, you know, uh, Buddy was really good. I've been talking with him is really good. Or, you know, she's really awesome, uh, Julia or whatever her name. And I'm like, who are they talking about? And my care coordinator who support me in, in the center said, no, no, Dr. Bustani, this is actually the avatar. This is the, the dog or the cat that they've been engaged with them. And they've been calling that avatar name. They talk with it. So that was the biggest surprise for me. 
Bustani says scalability of the technology is key. It's low cost, doesn't require a healthcare professional, and the patient only needs internet access. So this tablet is not artificial intelligence, right? No. I, you know, you don't want to outsource the care of your loved one. Yeah. There's a live human being on the other end of the tablet, and the technology oh. converts the human's voice to the pet or to the dog mm. or cat's voice. It's, so really all you need is Internet access, but it's not yeah. a robot. It's a yeah. human. Fascinating technology. Thanks, Kylie. Yep. Well, it's time to go inside innovation now. More jobs are coming to Jeffersonville as Pharmacord plans to continue to expand there and in Louisville. The company, which provides patient support services for life sciences companies, says it plans to add about 500 jobs. Pharmacord expects to have a workforce of more than 1,000 by the end of next year. TechPoint and InnoPower are hoping a new partnership will help more black Hoosiers find jobs in technology. TechPoint is Indiana's nonprofit tech sector growth initiative, and InnoPower is a community development organization that is working to increase opportunities for black Hoosiers. They will hold a series of grassroots-based design thinking sessions focused on developing tech talent in Indy, Fort Wayne, and Gary. Research shows black workers comprise just 7% of the Indiana tech workforce, while making up 10% of the overall workforce. TechPoint also working with companies to update their hiring practices to make them more inclusive and adopt new pathways to careers through apprenticeships. Congratulations in order to Central Indiana Corporate Partnership CEO David Johnson. He is the recipient of this year's Charles Whistler Award, the city of Indianapolis's highest honor for civic leadership. Johnson has served as CICP CEO for 10 years and will retire in December. He previously was a founder and served as president and CEO of BioCrossroads, the state's life sciences initiative. Next, we head to Western Indiana to check out Indiana's largest festival and how it drives big bucks into the region's economy. What is it about the Park County Covered Bridge Festival that attracts a million and a half visitors? Also in this week's IBJ, a deeper dive into what's at stake in the race for Marion County prosecutor and key legislative races. Reporter Dave Lindquist on an immersive art space in Indy called Healer. And could the Wabash River be a solution to central Indiana's water needs? This is Alex Brown. Get caught up on the state's top business news every business day with Inside Indiana Business Radio On Demand. This twice-daily podcast features our statewide Inside Indiana Business Radio reports with additional bonus content that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. You can listen now on the podcast page at InsideIndianaBusiness.com or subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, the inaugural Covered Bridge Festival in 1957 was the little engine that could. Card tables and homemade goods on Rockville's town square. Attendance, uh, maybe slightly under about 250. Today, it's Indiana's largest festival, attracting visitors from all over the country. Around Indiana reporter Mary Rachel Redmond joins us now from historic Park County. Well, Gary, Park County is the covered bridge capital of the world, and there's no doubt these bridges absolutely beautiful. But perhaps what really lures people to the Covered Bridge Festival isn't just the bridges themselves, but the people and the traditions that have been long and strong for over 65 years. 
That was real good. You want some? Never eaten nothing like that before. Whether you're just coming for the food or the Hoosier handmade crafts, there's just something about Park County's covered bridge festival that keeps folks from California to Wisconsin and everywhere in between coming back year after year. This is the county of 17,000 people, so imagine the stress on the infrastructure going from 17,000 people to, to uh, one and a half million, which would be about, uh, oh, probably 150, 200,000 people a day descend on us, but we do just fine. What does the Covered Bridge Festival do for these small businesses here in Rockville? So a lot of these small businesses, this is just their their um, time to shine for the year. So they get 10 days of a very captured audience to come in, look at their products. We have a lot of businesses who would not survive without this Covered Bridge Festival, which is tough to have a, a business plan where you're relying on some event that you have absolutely no control over, but you need that so badly. For a lot of businesses, you know, Black Friday is the day you change from being in the red to being in the black and making money. Now, this is Black Friday for most of our local businesses, and they do great. They really count on that, and um, they, look, they look forward to it. They plan for it. And while the economic impact is immeasurable for these small Hoosier towns over the 10-day festival, maybe just as satisfying for a lot of the longtime vendors are the generations of families that have made Covered Bridge an no annual stuff. tradition. No stuff. We've been here 65 years. I had a lady just yesterday who'd been buying candy from us for 57 years. We had a lady last year came up, and she had a little baby in her arms, and we have samples that we give out for people to taste. She took a pinch of the samples, put it in her baby's mouth, and that was the fifth generation of their family who've been buying their, our candy. So you get a lot of the traffic we get coming is people who repeat year after year after year, and they might buy, they may buy 25, 30 bags to take home to family. While the Covered Bridge Festival may have started out small, there's no doubt their traditions, families, and communities that started there continue to grow and thrive, thanks to these 10 days in October. We want to continue this because it does bring people in the community, shows them the other things that they can do within Park County. Um, it's been great for recruiting a new population into the county for those that want to step back and take a little bit of slower pace, um, but still find the amenities that they want. They've realized that Park County has that. Well, behind me is Indiana's most famous covered bridge here in Bridgeton, Indiana. And while there are 31 covered bridges in Park County, these historic structures continue to decrease in number. In fact, Indiana Landmarks placed Fountain County's Cades Mill Covered Bridge on its 10 most endangered list this year. Constructed in 1854, Cades Mill Covered Bridge holds the status as the state's oldest covered bridge, still in its original location. But it's a distinction that could turn into demolition. In 2019, a covered bridge contractor discovered a broken cord, a serious problem that could cause the 150-foot bridge to collapse. Repairs are estimated at over $800,000, and that number will continue to increase the longer it continues to sit untouched. Well, I'll detail more historic Hoosier structures in our Endangered Indiana series in the coming weeks. Well, next, laser tag, escape rooms, and virtual reality. A major Indiana player in the business to create amusement attractions like those makes a big move. And mark your calendar for Monday, October 31st, when Gleaners and IBJ will discuss hunger and health issues and the impact on our community. Learn more about the event at IBJ.com slash events. Well, a move by Starbucks is stoking concerns about safety and the future of downtown Indianapolis. 
Starbucks cited safety issues in its decision to close its high-profile Monument Circle location. So what does it mean for the public's perception of downtown Indy? I pose that question to Taylor Schaefer, the new CEO of downtown Indy. Downtown really continues to be the safest district in Indianapolis. Uh, our IMPD liaisons tell me that it accounts for less than 5% of overall crime. And yet, we also understand that the perception of public safety is just as critical as the realities of it, which is why we continue to collaborate with IMPD to prioritize investment uh, in increased patrols, both with bike patrols and with uh, officers really focusing on public spaces, especially around uh, public events and where we're going to see increased crowds. I'll have more with former Indianapolis Deputy Mayor Taylor Schaefer now leading the charge at Downtown Indy in an upcoming Business and Beyond podcast. To Southwest Indiana now, Governor Holcomb joining officials uh, this week locally there to break ground on two big ready projects in Princeton. The Toyota YMCA project, a $21 million investment slated to open in the summer of 2024. That facility will have a gym, competition, pool, STEM lab and more. Housing, a major issue for communities around Indiana. And a second project in Princeton, a $21 million workforce apartment complex, the 144 unit complex to offer affordable new housing to support local employers. It is scheduled to open in 2024. Wisconsin-based Mercury Marine cruising into Hendricks County. The company this week opened its new global distribution facility in Brownsburg with plans to add 250 jobs. Mercury is the world's leading manufacturer of recreational outboard boat motors. The new facility three times larger than its Wisconsin distribution center. And a toast to Oliver Winery in Bloomington, the publisher of Wine Spectator, naming Oliver an impact blue chip brand for 2021. One of 21 wine brands recognized this year and the only winery outside of California to earn that award. Big growth for a major Hoosier player in the amusement industry. Creative Works has moved out of its- There you go. Welcome to our new home, Creative Works. Creative Works has moved out of its Mooresville headquarters and into a new $7 million space on the west side of Indianapolis, bringing with it about 90 jobs with plans to add 50 more. Creative Works designs and makes popular amusement attractions like laser tag, escape rooms, and virtual reality games. One of the unique things about Creative Works is we work globally, all throughout Europe, Asia, Australia, as well as here in North America and the US. About 95% of our work is actually outside of Indiana and it allows us to bring those economic dollars here to the state. The company is looking to hire for a variety of positions. Creative Works celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. It's time now for Eye on Education. Fall enrollment at Indiana public colleges and universities stayed about the same this year, but the number of students attending those schools over the last five to 15 years on a downward slide. That's according to data released by the Indiana Commission for Higher Education, which shows the state's public higher institutions uh, have seen a 12.1% dip in undergraduates over the past five years. That translates into about 27,000 fewer students. Indiana Wesleyan University celebrating the inauguration of John Kulaga as its 10th president. He officially began serving in his new role in August. 
The university's ninth president, David Wright, announced his retirement last year after serving in the role since 2013. Prior to joining IWU, Kaluga uh, served as president and CEO of Ohio Christian University, as well as chief academic officer and chief operating officer at Asbury University. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Inside Indiana Business. As we leave you this week, we want to show you some of the highlights of this year's Park County Covered Bridge Festival. This year's festival, the 65th annual, started back in 1957 and runs through 5 o'clock Sunday. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week. Thank you for listening to the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. Remember, you can get the latest business news from every corner of the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week.